You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. Hey, church, let me ask you something. What attribute of God matters more than his faithfulness? Right, if we can't trust him uh, to the end, if we can't trust him for eternity, then we shouldn't trust him at all. I can't, out of all the attributes of God, his power, his wisdom, his healing, uh, none of them mean as much to me as his faithfulness. When we're not faithful, he is faithful always. And so I praise God. Thank you for that song, praise team. Uh, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. While you're turning there, I want to ask you if you, you, some of you probably read this article this week. It was this past Tuesday, October 24th. Uh, it reported uh, attorney generals from 41 states and the District of Columbia filed lawsuits alleging Meta, owner of Facebook and Instagram, built addictive products. Uh, product features geared toward children despite knowing their negative impact on mental health. The filing specifically calls out the platform's recommendation algorithms, use of social comparison, collection of young users' data without consent, and more. Surveys, Surveys have revealed an increasingly dire outlook for teenage mental health in the U.S. See page 58 of the report. 42% of high schoolers say they experience persistent hopelessness. At the same time, more than half of teens say they spend roughly five hours per day on average across all social media platforms. Let me just read from the actual case. This is document one, page six of 233 pages. The actual case file, if you want to look it up, is 4 colon 23 CV 05448, file 102423. This is item one, summary of the case this past Tuesday. Over the past decade, Meta itself and through its flagship social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, has profoundly altered the psychological and social realities of a generation of young Americans. Meta has harnessed powerful and unprecedented technologies to entice, engage, and ultimately ensnare youth and teens. Its motive is profit, and in seeking to maximize its financial gains, Meta has repeatedly misled the public about the substantial dangers of its social media platforms. It's concealed the ways in which these platforms exploit and manipulate its most vulnerable, con- vulnerable consumers, teenagers and children. And it has ignored the sweeping damage these platforms has caused to the mental and physical health of our nation's youth. In doing so, Meta engaged in and continues to engage in deceptive and unlawful conduct in violation of state and federal laws. Real report, real 41 states and D.C. filed against them this week. Social comparisons, the need to be seen the likes, the content, the addiction to popularity and profit. Uh, But these aren't new drugs, are they? (laughs) They're just old problems wrapped in technology that we think is bound up in our little $1,200 iPhones, but it's actually held in our hearts. (laughs) Social media is just preying on the temptations that are already there, the desire to be or feel famous. And I believe it's sadly a driving force of all of these deep fakes we've been looking at in this series. Uh, And so today we're going to look at one more, the the popularity problem of Acts chapter 8, verse 4. So read with me 
Uh, we, we use the ESV here. Acts 8 verse 4, these are the words of God. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip uh, went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard uh, him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest saying this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For they had, he had not uh, yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you've said may come upon me. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. I want to ask Jackson Hudson, one of our young students, to come and ask God's blessings today. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Pray that you help Pastor Wynn as he prays today and preaches. I pray that there's nobody that doesn't know you, that they will come today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, this is uh, incredible. Acts 8, 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed to them the Christ and the crowds with one accord. I mean, the whole mob of them, they, they paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And then we've got signs, we've got exorcisms of unclean spirits, we've got the lame walking, we've got overwhelming joy in Samaria. I mean, it's a great day, right? And this reminds us of the pattern that we've been looking at in previous weeks, that great, that, that these deep fakes seem to sneak in surrounding these great wonders of God, right? But my first point this morning is that deep fakes are always seeking, right? They're always looking for something more. They're always on the hunt for something. Second Timothy 3 verse 5 describes them as having the appearance of godliness, verse 7, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Friend, let me tell you a truth from God's word. We will never arrive 
at the goals of our flesh. I mean, you may get that thing that you want, that your flesh wants, but it won't give you what you thought it would give you when you get it. <laughs> Y'all tracking? You want it. That thing that you see out there that's of the flesh, you want it. But when you get it, it's not going to fulfill what your wants because only Christ who built you, who wired you, hardwired you inside and out, he's made you to glorify him. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to have this joy, this ethereal joy that's out there. It's right here described in scripture. You can have it, but you can't have it by always seeking to arrive at it. You got to be found in Christ. First Timothy six, verse five says they are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world. We ain't taking nothing out. You don't see any hearses hauling U-Haul trailers, do you? <laughs> no storage bins, right? Simon and Satan were unsatisfied, dissatisfied with Christ. Deep fakes always miss the contentment that only Christ can give. They're seeking arrival and contentment in four fake directions. And I want to give you these four directions today. They're seeking first attraction. They want the world to be attracted to them. They want to do things to make themselves popular and intriguing and worthy of further investigation. Like Dosakis, the world's most mysterious man. Right? They want something to be there that's not, right? Look at me. There's no I in team, but there is a me. <laughs> All right? Acts 8 9 says, But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced uh, magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was something great, tooting his own horn. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But they, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Uh-oh, there goes the neighborhood. There goes my fan base. <laughs> Before Philip rolls into Samaria preaching Jesus, Simon the magician, is the, he's the top dog, Right? And he's drawing the masses and he had an audience. He had a following. Acts 8 verse 10 says, all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, which that phrase least to the greatest is used throughout the Bible. It just means a whole lot of people. He had a mass amount of followers. All right. By the way, he was seeking glory for himself, but Philip was seeking glory from someone else. He wasn't seeking glory for himself. He was seeking glory for Christ. Matthew 23, verse 5, speaking of the attention-seeking scribes and Pharisees, says they do all their deeds to be seen by others. They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you, are, you have one teacher. And you are all brothers. Verse 11, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, Barnhouse basically said the church doesn't teach, it's taught. We're taught. I mean, I'm up here delivering the word of God, but I'm learning from the word of God with you. I've learned this week and I'm delivering to you what I've learned. That's all this is. This is not some hierarchy. <laughs> We're all on level playing ground. Right? 
These deep fakes were seeking attraction. And second, they were seeking protraction. That's the act of prolonging something. <laughs> Scholars believe that Simon the magician may have been partially motivated by the old phrase, if you can't beat them, join them, right? Like star athletes, you know, they come to the end of the, their careers and they start jumping teams to chase, uh, chase rings, right? They're, I think he's chasing a ring. I think he's lost his control of his audience and he's going to try to get it back. It seems highly probable that to stay close to Peter and Philip was to remain associated with his previous followers. Acts 8.13, even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And I have no doubt that he actually believed about Christ, right? He had to have believed, I believe, you know, the miracles being done in front of him. And it, it's, but it seems it was still out of a selfish motive. And people are still trying to come to Jesus that way now. <laughs> Y'all know people that uh, if they believe, they think that if they can just be near holy people, right? Ones who seem to have a higher percentage of their prayers answered. You know those people. There's a few of them in the church, you know. If I can just get close to Kim Bergantz. <laughs> I do want Kim Bergantz praying for me, by the way. But I want a lot of prayer warriors. But we, we tend to think that, that we see super saints and we, we think, gosh, if I can just be near them, I'll, I'll be saved. They believe in salvation by association. Now listen, good friends are good, right? Godly friends will build you up. They'll, you know, think about your friends. If they build you up, if they strengthen you in the Lord, if they challenge you in your faith and you feel yourself moving forward in your sanctification as a Christian, that's a good thing. It's good to be around uh, strong believing friends. But Christian parents and Christian friends don't make you or me Christian, all right? Simon's belief seems to be more like a tracking device that he mounted to, to Philip in Peter's chariot, you know, to maintain influence over his people and to maybe help him find the source of this power that's taking control of all these people in the, in the spirit. He wants that power, right? He wants to prolong his position and regain the popularity that he's lost for profit. Attraction, protraction, and third, they're seeking exaction. That's just the act of demanding by force or authority, as in to exact a tribute. Deep fakes don't just want you to like them and return to following them. They want to control all the variables of their own influence. It's like men today who create awards for special people. Let's create an award for someone special in Hollywood. And then they appoint themselves chair of the board that determines who the special person will be. So now they've become more special than the special person because they're the one over choosing who that special person is going to be, right? Don't ever go to a church that functions that way. I, yes, I do believe that pastors have scriptural authority in so much as they obey the word of God, teach the word of God, preach the word of God, and model the word of God. But you don't ever want one man in total control of a church. That's not the way. By the way, the deacon body is not supposed to be over the church. The elder body is not supposed to be over the church. Jesus Christ is over the church. It's his bride. It's not the elder's bride. Now, elders, pastors, bishops, all the same word, presbyteros, shepherds, 
They are to give guidance, but the church is also to have a, a say-so, a vote, the wisdom of the congregation together as a collective body. Don't ever go to church that doesn't function that way. And this seems to be what Simon the magician wanted. Acts 8.18, now when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered the money saying, give me this power so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I think he's just tired, getting tired of tooting his own horn. You get tired of bragging on yourself after a certain amount of time, right? <laughs> Gets old. And he don't want to do it anymore. He just wants to be able to wield authority at will, right? He'd been tooting his own horn, saying that he himself was something great in Acts 8, 9. He didn't want to depend on his own skills and trickery anymore. He didn't want to have to convince uh, all these people with his lies and conjured wonders that he was something awesome. His magic skills and sorcery, they had lost all their power under the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. And he wanted to regain it. Attraction, protraction, exaction. Look at me, return to me, listen to me. And then fourth, they're seeking, deep fakes are seeking a transaction, <laughs> right? Which is just an exchange between groups as carrying on commercial activities, as in no transactions are possible without him. Whatever Peter and John had, Simon thought he could buy it, right? Do you know that, the, that Simon's attempt to purchase spiritual power helped label the, this, the medieval uh, practice of selling and buying clerical positions in the church, <laughs> right? They began to call it simony. You can look this up. Buying a church position. And this all came about, you remember Constantine the uh, first, he, he was the emperor of Rome in the early uh, AD 300s. And he, he trusts Christ. He becomes a Christian, which was, uh, that's a good thing. But the way he went about it afterwards was not. He made the church part of the state, which led to the rise of buying a bishop's office. It's one of the very things that God used to usher in the Reformation. Uh, one scholar noted, all over Europe, indulgences were being sold in order to get money to buy St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome. The Catechism of the Catholic Church describes an indulgence, which is Latin for the word to permit, as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. The recipient of an indulgence must perform an act, to an action to receive it, which in this case, payment of money. Now, just to be clear, I'm not here to down Catholics, all right? Uh, we don't go to heaven based on our denomination. You're not going to go to heaven because you're Baptist or Lutheran or Presbyterian or Episcopalian. Good luck with that, quoting your denomination at the pearly gates. That's not going to go well for you, all right? There were no denominations in Acts chapter 2 when the church was birthed. And I wonder if God's not allowing many of our denominations today to fall away and be destroyed by false doctrine and quackery. There's <laughs> a great word for it. At least one you can say in the church because the other words I can't say from the pulpit. <laughs> but Simon was trying to buy power, which leads to our second main point this morning. Deep fakes are precursors to cults and false religions. Right? Heresies are just another attack that seem to follow God's highlights. And it's interesting that most cults have greed as a hidden motivator. Greed's back there somewhere, just dig. And I don't have a long time to camp out on this. Uh, maybe we can cover cults and 
uh, and religions on uh, Wednesday nights in more detail someday. But most cults have money and power in the back pushing it forward. They have self at the center twisting the truths of God. And they have popularity and control out front pulling it forward. <laughs> Just to give one example. Charles Taze Russell founded the Jehovah's Witnesses, which was a Bible, Bible society, had a Watchtower magazine publishing company that Joseph Rutherford would later wrestle away from him in a power struggle. That's a whole other thing. But Russell, there were a thousand shares to, that controlled this company, this religion, and he owned 990 of them. Look it up for yourself. Uh, by, by the way, you can look up and read court documents from, I believe, 1913 or 1916 uh, that show Russell lying under oath multiple times. We're, you know, did you study Hebrew? Well, yes. Did you study Greek? Yes. Did you do this? And then they would begin to add. He purged himself multiple times. <laughs> he was convicted uh, multiple times of perjury. He was a charlatan who lied to his followers. He was a deep fake who Satan used to produce a cult. And just on a side note. While we're talking about cults, Peter was not a saint that had some kind of special authority to make decisions over others, like without the will of God. All right. Acts 8.14 says, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter. They sent Peter. So some apostolic council, some group of elders some trusted group in Jerusalem in the church sent Peter and John to Samaria to investigate and report on what the Lord was doing there. Great motive. And so clearly we've made it all the way past Jesus' ascension into Acts chapter 8 and there's no proof that Peter was, as many Catholics still believe, some type of papal authority. Simon Peter himself was being sent. The Bible says they sent to them, Peter and John. And, and I'm only saying this to give another example that, friend, the Bible is our script. The Bible. Now, our church adheres to the, the Baptist uh, 2000 Faith and Message. It's got some good statements about uh, uh, heterosexual families and the Word of God and the inerrancy of God's Word and salvation by grace alone and faith. But that's not the Bible's my creed, right? Our church, we, we, have an, we adhere to this Baptist faith and message that you can look up on our website. But it's the word of God is my script. It's your script as a believer. Not the words and wonders of deep fakes. We have a filter for all truth. Whatever your worldview is, it has to fit through the pipeline of God's precepts. If it doesn't fit through there, it's not good. Whatever theories exist. They're affirmed or denied by the Word of God. And speaking of theories, many twisted uh, religious views have come out of my third point, this third point this morning, and that's the receiving of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. Acts 8, 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So, Simon tried to pay for what God, only God could give. Peter didn't give the Holy Spirit. God through Peter gave it by the laying on of hands. So, in any study where we're talking about the, the receiving of the Holy Spirit after salvation, 
we need a, there's a verse that serves as our filter, and it is Romans 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So, we know from Scripture that all followers of Jesus welcome the Holy Spirit into their lives at the moment of their salvation. You don't on one end ooze into heaven. Well, I've always known about God. Yes, but some point you have to make a declaration of faith. And, uh, and on the other end, well, I know about God, but I still need that extra special anointing. Hogwash. That's not scriptural. The moment we obey Romans 10, 9, and call upon the name of Jesus, when we repent of our sins and trust fully in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, we receive the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, God's word says we don't belong to him. All right? Scripture teaches that we do not receive the Holy Spirit after we're saved, but when we're saved. What many pastors and scholars believe is happening here, and what I believe and am fully convinced is happening here, is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit that was similar in purpose to the tongues of fire seen at Pentecost. All right? That's when 3,000 were saved and they all spoke in their native, everyone understood the gospel, even though it was only being preached in one language, they were hearing it in their own language. All right? We're not told how that the Holy Spirit manifested himself in Samaria, right? When they laid hands on him, there was some visible evidence in these new Samaritan believers. We don't know how, we don't know what it looked like, but it was public and it was obvious. To say anything beyond that, it's just, you know, it's just speculation. The important question isn't how God manifested himself through the Holy Spirit, but why? Why Samaritans? Remember when the 4,000 were saved when Peter preached? 4,000 men, which was probably about 10,000 people getting saved. You don't see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit after that, do you? There's a lot of people getting saved and you don't see a second touch of the Holy Spirit on them. So why on these rare occasions is this happening, right? I mean, Acts 8 seems to indicate that they were already saved. Didn't Philip, wasn't he, in a, wasn't he a, a Christian? Couldn't he lay hands on him? Well, didn't he have authority from God? He's the one that led him to Christ. Could he not lay hands on him and, and let the Spirit? Why did these people from Jerusalem have to come? There's three potential reasons for God doing it this way with the Samaritans in particular, and I want to give them to you now. First is confirmation. Now, Peter and John probably didn't need evidence. They trusted Philip, but they were sent, right? Because I believe they knew that the Jerusalem church needed proof, right? Scholars say, unlike Jews, Samaritans have only one prophet, Moses. The latter prophets uh, created a revolution within Judaism uh, that the Samaritans reject. They built their temple on Mount Gerizim, spiritual center of their religion. Samaritans characterized Judaism as a false religion whose leaders practiced sorcery and stole the Ark of the Covenant from Mount Gerizim. So it's easy to assume <laughs> because of that, one of the reasons for the laying on of hands and receiving of the Spirit was for confirmation to the church at Jerusalem of the genuineness of their faith, all right? Which leads to the second question, unification. You know, if you know, if you've studied the Bible a, a little bit, you know how much Jews hate Samaritans, right? The story of the Good Samaritan is the fact that the guy that should hate them is actually liking it. You know, that's the whole point of those stories. So there was friction between them, hostility for a long history. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And I believe they needed this visible witness to bring them together. 
Uh, remember when Christ revealed himself to the Jews on the day of Pentecost, uh, the Lord followed that up with the, the receiving of the Holy Spirit with great signs and wonders. And so, as one pastor put it, when the Samaritan people believed the same gospel message, placed their faith in the same Savior and Lord, and the Holy Spirit manifested his presence in their lives with great and convincing signs, the wall of separation between the Samaritans and the Jews could do little else than crumble. There was no longer a reason for them to be separated. There was a tremendous reason for them to be reconciled to one another. So, confirmation with signs, I believe that's one reason. Unification between former enemies, that's a second reason. And third, identification. Y'all know what Jews would do? What would the priest do with the lamb that was brought to be sacrificed? He would lay hands on it. It was his way of identifying with that lamb that he was about to slaughter. He's saying, the blood of this lamb is gonna, is gonna absolve me of my sin temporarily, right? Jesus was the perfect lamb. And so they would identify with that lamb, lay their hands on it, and then slaughtered that lamb, putting their sins. The Lord has laid on the lamb of God in Isaiah, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so there was an identification in salvation. It was identity. Commentators say when Peter and John laid hands on the Samaritans and the Holy Spirit manifested his presence with obvious and convincing signs, Peter and John identified with the Samaritans, identified the rest of the apostles with them and the rest of the Jewish church. In other words, there wouldn't be a Jewish church and a Samaritan church. There would be one church made up of Jewish and Samaritan believers. After centuries of hostility and separation, they were now one in Christ. And let me just tell you this, Piperton. Identity in Christ wasn't the only reason. It was identity in the Great Commission. Before Christ ascended back into heaven, Jesus himself told the apostles to stick around for a little while until the coming of the Holy Spirit. And what does it say? Uh, what does Luke record in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and stop. Does it stop at Samaria? Nuh-uh. And to the ends of the earth. It's interesting that Samaria is in the Great Commission. Right, a launching ground. And I believe that's part of why the Spirit was manifested in some visible way, corp, you know, collectively. Luke wrote, you know, the book, Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, uh, which has this, you know, he has a ripple effect theme, a rock in a water that has ripple effects that's going out all over the world. Obviously from Acts 1-8 we see that, but even in the book of Acts, this transitional book of where the church was growing and launching, right? He shows the kingdom of God ever expanding. So every soul that was saved, every Christian repenting, every prodigal coming home, every new field we enter with the gospel of Jesus Christ, every new neighborhood, every new door, every new believer that professes faith, every Christian who follows that up with the obedience and symbol of baptism is joining hands in the great commission to see the whole world have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's part of this launch right here in the outpouring of this Holy Spirit. Deep fakes are always seeking. They are precursors to cults and false religions, which is why we took time to see the specific reasons for the Samaritans receiving the Holy Spirit the way they did. It was for specific reasons. And fourth, deep fakes fail to accomplish their ultimate goal. Hallelujah. <laughs> First, 
they failed to capture Philip's focus. Listen to this, y'all. Peter rolls up into town, into Samaria. They think it could have been a town in Samaria named Sinecar, but uh, that's conjecture. But so he rolls into Samaria, and Simon the magician has this huge following. And so what does Peter do? Well, he obviously, he, uh, he goes live uh, with a debate with the leader of the movement, Simon the magician, right? He has a public debate with him. Isn't that what he, is that what he did? Oh, you mean you got to crush the lies of Simon's false religion. So let's have a public debate. That's not what he did. By the way, some historians believe that Simon the magician founded Gnosticism, which uh, Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know. So they based their salvation on a mystical knowledge they had to attain, not the faith in the knowledge that they attained. <laughs> but regardless, Simon has lost all his followers. And listen to this. Peter ignores an entire movement, an entire cult. He, it's like he pretends they're not there. He just rolls into town and starts preaching Jesus Christ. <laughs> and friend, listen, we need to do a little more of that. A little, a little less confrontation, right? Winning an argument, woo, I gotcha. And let me just tell you, church, I'm a decent debater. I can probably prove whatever biblical question you bring at me either way. So it's not going to make you saved. It's not going to make you repent of your sin. It has to have the Holy Spirit's power in it. You have to be led by the Spirit. Simon has lost his followers. Romans, I'll tell you what, he ignores this movement for one reason. Romans 1.16. What's that say? For I am not ashamed of, for it, the gospel of story of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Most of the time we need to ignore cults and confrontation and just preach Jesus. Number two, they fail to rob the church. You know, this was corporate espionage. This was Simon wanting the blueprints uh, for the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but all he got was a condemning rebuke, right? Did you know that uh, even when the moon moves in front of the sun for a full solar eclipse, even though the moon's much closer, it still doesn't block out all the sun. There's still a ring of fire. <laughs> you can't block out the gospel no matter what you do. Satan tried using Ananias and Sapphira to steal, steer attention and remember away from Barnabas uh, to their own fake generosity. A deception that, that is used by Satan a lot of times to, for us to make excuses to walk away from our faith, right? But not here. The strong-armed robbery wasn't by Simon on the church. It was by God on Satan. Once again, deep fakes become examples of God's justice to further strengthen and purify the faith of all those new Samaritan believers. And the W goes to our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> all he does is win, 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 no matter what. From Simon the Magician's downfall, we need to learn and guard against the popularity problem. I'll leave you with a quote from a, a Scottish minister named Alexander White. He passed away in 1921. And he said, starve the self-seeking quack that is still within you. Beat him black and blue. 
as Paul tells us he did. Don't let self get on your throne. Listen, if Jesus Christ is on the throne of your heart, he's too big to have any room next to him. Amen? You put him up there in front and you'll be able to spot and protect your own heart from becoming a deep fake. Would you stand? Father God, we love your word. It is like chewing on a steak. It's filling. It's fulfilling. And it points us to the majesty of who you are. God, you take all the things in the world and you're moving them in one direction. Even all the chaos we see in the world right now and the wars, we're, these aren't rumors, they're real wars. And we're looking around at them and we've got to be a church that doesn't flinch face of a deep fake. We need to be a church that preaches the gospel, that trusts the power of the God we believe in and then let the dust settle because <laughs> you're, you're the one that made the dust and so it settles where you want it to settle and so God we pray that you would help our hearts fully surrender to you. I pray if there's people in here today that have not put their faith and trust in you, surrender their hearts to you not fix their sin then come to you but come to you to forgive their sin they can't come to you broken they best not come at all and I pray if there are broken people in our church today they would cry out to the name of Jesus Christ and trust in the gospel truth of your word the same gospel that, that was poured out and, and, and instigated Pentecost the same gospel that was preached to the Samaritans that they believed it's the same gospel we're still preaching today we're still living by in this church and in our families and we pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know it they would call on the name of Jesus and be saved I pray for others that don't have a church home. This is the Bride of Christ. Piper and Baptist Church is, is part of the Bride of Christ. And I pray you can plug in here. If you're a believer already, plug in, dig in, get to work for the Lord. You may not know what that gift is yet or where to serve, but the Lord will reveal it to you. And we pray that you obey Him. You may, may be a Christian that needs to repent. You got some junk that's in your heart that's building a wall between you and God. Maybe someone you need to ask forgiveness of. I don't know. But I pray that you would let us hear your word, God. Let our people hear it. Let me hear it. And make action plans based on your word, based on your precepts. May it be so for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Sermon Audio from Piper and Baptist Church in Piper and Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.piperdenbaptist.com.